Hello, world, and welcome back to the Morning Geekdom Podcast. As always, I am your host, Anthony Matulin, and today I am joined by Damien and Tyler. On today's podcast, we discuss Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. America's smallest hero is lost in America's biggest city. Can I help you? Reservation from McAllister? Is it New York? Hiya, pal. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. What kind of idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. Rated PG. Now playing at theaters everywhere. All right, Tyler, so you have long since said how much you dislike this movie. You haven't watched it in, what, 20 years? 15 years? 25 years, probably. So you saw it essentially when it came out. Yep. That was it. Yep. So, like, 12-year-old Tyler formed an opinion, and you were just like, I'm riding with that fucking opinion forever. For a quarter century, yes. Quarter century. All right, you just watched it, not to, to spoil the end of the pod where we... Say, uh, you know, give it our our rating. But uh, did you like it? I liked it. I think um, I, as we were talking about before before this, it's uh, hard to live up to the original. That's true in a lot of great, in a, sure. with a lot of movie sequels. But um, Home Alone, for me and for most kids our age, or most people our age who grew up with it, it just holds a certain place in our hearts. And, and that's almost impossible to match and so I think seeing it the first time in 92 or whenever I saw it it just didn't live up to that and I I did away with it in my memory Um, until until you guys really honestly this week I listened back to the podcast you both did on Home Alone 1 and you talked very highly of Home Alone 2 and I thought what does people actually like this movie so for the last however long it's been since that episode, um, I thought I should probably give this a shot, and I'm glad we're doing this podcast, and I'm glad that I gave it another shot. Man, how was that podcast like two years later? It was really, really good, honestly. It was. Right, um, that's, that's one I haven't. I've never listened back to that one. I don't think. It's there's you can tell how much you both love the movie. There's so much pep in your voices, Damien. You uh, <laughs> on all these podcast you always bring the goods but that episode was probably the most lively i've ever heard you speak in your life it was just wow lots, lots of joy you were just so into it and it's a really good episode i recommend going back and listening there you go man you should go back and listen to the starship troopers pod <laughs> and then do a comparison you you do, you i've listened to that. that one recently i did listen to that one yeah. not too long ago it's I, it's great. difficult. That one's in my top five. Yeah, they're difficult for me to listen to just for myself, like critical of me. Everybody's great. You guys are all great in every episode. So, but yeah, for me, it's it's difficult to listen to. Well, I'm glad you came around on Home Alone too, man. Now I feel like you've missed out on a good holiday movie for a quarter century. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, Damien, I know how you feel about this movie. Yeah, it's no secret. Okay, so you're a contrarian. You always like shit better than the original. It seems like. Die Hard. No, like Die Hard. Shit Die Hard is not one. But what, what, what's one? Uh, I'm trying to think what you like better. Back to the Future Tremors 3. Tremors 2. Tremors 2? <laughs> Tremors 2, yep, yep. Okay, there's others. I know there's others. I just can't think of them right now. Okay. Do you like Home Alone 2 better than Home Alone 1? No. Okay, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that. Yeah, that's a pretty easy one for me. Okay. Yeah, for some reason, I, I like Home Alone 1 much better. I'd love this movie as well. 
but I find myself, I think, over the years watching this one more than the first one. And I don't know why that hmm. is. I I actually, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, I think it might, like for me, I was thinking about it actually. And I think it might just be because I watched the first one more. Sure. Um, and so like the second one just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like fresher, if you can imagine. Yeah. Um, that was the only thing that I could come up with because I think number one is definitely a better movie. For sure. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if number two is more enjoyable, especially when I was a child, because it has like the toy store. It has a little bit more of like a sense of adventure where he's like exploring right. a city on the his city. own. He's He keeps referring to he's on his own vacation opposed to the first one where he like wishes his parents were gone his family was gone and then he gets to stay home where this one he's on like full 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 like 10 year old vacation 12 year old vacation toy stores yeah. cheese pizzas limos right in a limo. I think I know fireworks I think I think for me the there's something about the New York house that was more exciting than the McAllister house hmm. yeah I don't get that <laughs> The re- yeah, I, I don't. It's not. It's not better. And yeah. I, like I said, I still prefer the first one. But you know, go like, oh, uh, I prefer to watch the second one, as we were saying a minute ago. Yeah, that's the, one of the only other things that I could think of. You just like brownstones. <laughs> I like brownstones. Um, Big real estate bricks. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Big brownstone <laughs> yeah. like Manhattan. You can understand like the the the. You can appreciate the architecture and like probably the value. I get it. Yeah. Well, you know, when I when I originally saw this, I obviously had not been in New York and then I went to New York and I realized that like the the cab driver, like that's a real person. Oh man, he's I'm going to talk about him a little bit. He's nightmare fuel. Okay. Like I'm much more afraid of him than I am of the sticky bandits or anybody else. Literally anybody else in the movie. And literally maybe anybody else in any movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't much better in here, kid. God, what a terrible person that man was. Do you think that guy really looked like that? Yep. I'm going to say no. no. I'm going to say there's some movie magic. I think he looked like that. You think they just like flagged down a taxi driver and like used him for the shot? No, I yeah. think he might be like a working actor. I didn't look into it. I don't think he's a real like taxi driver. How could you get, how could you right. get work like that as a taxi Put driver? The, I'm not trying to be like insensitive, but it was rough. Put the uh Morning Geekdom research team on that. <laughs> All right. Let's hit, I'm going to hit you with a synopsis. The easiest, most, uh, after the synopsis, you're going to know everything that happens in this movie. Okay. One year after Kevin McAllister was left home alone. I love when they use, by the way, the name of the movie mm-hmm. in the synopsis. Uh, left home alone and had to defeat a pair of bumbling burglars. He accidentally finds himself stranded in New York City and the same criminals are not far behind. I'm good. Seeing the movie. I'm good. What do I need? Every uh, every synopsis should have the movie title in the in the uh, in the synopsis. Am I the only one who enjoys mm. that? Tyler. I don't I mean try to figure out a way to work Shawshank Redemption into a sentence. Well, about it's the Shawshank the Prison, right? Well, yeah, but I mean it's just going to sound so forced. No, I'm not. It's for sure forced. This I'm one just kind we of can do it. This You're one a writer. Makes, you figure it out. I, I, and I'm telling you, my professional opinion is that it works in this synopsis. It doesn't work in <laughs> some others. 
Like, how do you how do you shoehorn Rocky Four into Rocky Fours? <laughs> <laughs> Synopsis. You can't. You yeah. can say Rocky four times. <laughs> you could. Damien, I read this to you, and you think what? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the movie. You're good. Yeah. It's the, I, this is the only way I can get behind having not watched Fight Club and telling everybody I've seen it. <laughs> it's the synopsis. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. But, I mean, it's the same criminals, and they're not far behind. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. All right. 1992. Uh, feels like it came out right after the original, and I guess it did, 90 and 92. Damien, what do you think the critics gave good old Home Alone to Lost in New York on the old Rotten Tomatoes? Critics are going to have destroyed this. What do you think? I'm going to say, oh, 40%. Tyler? I'd say in the same range, like 35 to 45, something really <laughs> bad. All right. 33%. Wow. Worse. For reference, what did they give? I don't mean to make you call up. Do you know what they gave Home, Home Alone 1? Uh, it was in the, I want to say like 80s. Wow. I believe I can look in. I can look at it real quick. What do you think? Okay, so critics. What do you think, audience? Tyler. Sixty-three. Wow. Okay, Tyler or uh, Damien. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be really high. It's definitely going to be higher though. I'm going to say sixty-eight. Sixty-one. You guys are you guys are good at this game. Solid. Nice. That's a big. That's a big. There's a lot of numbers in between yeah, the, those. The, Just yeah, for the Delta. For reference, Home Alone, the first Home Alone got 65 critics, 80% audience, which I find 80% is low. Yeah. This is not a yeah, 33% movie. No. Not at all. Again, it's not like it's not amazing. It's not it's not a 33% movie. No, that's rough. That's like this is a, hey everybody, this is a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. All right, $28 million budget, so it's almost double the budget that the original had. And the original had, like, went over budget. Mm -hmm. So this had a $28 million budget. I don't know that this is a two times over the original movie budget look or feel to it. Besides, obviously, they shot on locations, right? So they got to get permits. They got to get all that shit where the original movie essentially was shot in the soundstage. Um, you know, the house, obviously, they're not filming in the original house. They just used the exterior, the interior. They didn't use $28 million. Like, where'd all that money go? I think, like, four or five one of it went to Macaulay, right? <laughs> he got some huge check for the second one compared to the first one. He did. So this movie made $359 million. Wow. Massive success. So I can understand why they mm-hmm. continue to make these movies. I don't know why you'd make them without Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, like, $100 million less than the original made which we said the original was the highest grossing comedy of all time from 1990 until 1999 when that fucking hangover came out. No, that was later Fuck. than 99. That was like sure? 2005. Yeah. Okay, so then you're, you're correct, but yeah. it was the hangover. So yeah. it, it held on to the, the highest grossing comedy until the hangover came out. That's why. Um, so yeah, Damien, he, Macaulay Culkin got 110000 for the first one, $4.5 mm-hmm. for this one. Yikes. That's an upgrade. Yeah. Money well spent. Yeah. Like who else is I mean they show they they've they've tried to make the movie since and none of them have done well. And the third one is with a kid who I mean I don't remember. He's the jingle all the way kid, right? 
no no no, no. it's it's uh, no, no, no. not jake lloyd the uh he's a kid from liar liar and in some other movies yep. yeah. yeah he's in liar liar yeah. yeah but again it doesn't have it loses something because you don't have the wet bandits you know yeah. that that's a big the chemistry of joe pesci and daniel stern there's a lot to be said about that and why this movie is successful both of these yeah yeah. You don't have those. I think Daniel Stern came back for like the fourth one or something like that. Um, I believe this. I don't remember if the third one even got a theatrical release or if it was just straight to you know VHS or DVD mm-hmm. at that point. There's a there's a, a big gap too between the two and three. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think three I think came I out like late '90s. Yeah, I feel like it. Yeah, I think it came out like six or eight years later yeah. or something like that. Um, what I was gonna say is. I remember reading or hearing at some point that they actually wanted to film two and three back to back, mm. um, but Macaulay didn't want to do the third one, despite the fact that he got a, a what do you say, four and a half million dollar check for the second yeah. one, um, because he was like at twelve years old, he was like, no, there's nothing more that this character can like bring, so he he turned it down. Well, his dad was notoriously like a prick as mm-hmm. well, and so you know, I don't know what's going on. He was also hanging out with Michael Jackson. So, I don't. I don't know how this. I don't know. I don't know how his life was at this point. He does Richie Rich, right? He does other yeah. movies right after this, um, but he he didn't get a ton of work, whether it was on you know because of his, from his choice or just you know typecasting or whatever. But he didn't get much work as for sure as like a teenager. I remember I he happened. he did a movie with Ted Danson as dad in the title. I forget the name of it. It was a bad movie. But yeah, oh. other than Richie Ghost Rich and Ghost Dad, never mind. Go ahead. Other than that and Richie Rich, I can't recall another movie he did. Um, he was in Good Son. He was in Richie oh. Rich, Good both Son. Home Alones, Uncle Buck. Yeah. Um, My Girl. Oh yeah, My Girl, of course. Yeah. I don't remember if My Girl was in between the two or if it was after the second one. That's a fucking mm-hmm. downer of a movie. Yeah. Good Son. Damon, you ever see My Girl? Yeah. Yeah, a really long time ago. Little fucker gets stung by a bee and dies. Yeah, I remember it being a bit of a downer. Right in the feels. <laughs> yeah, he, he was in a movie later um, called Saved, which I really liked. Uh, but that's like much, much later, and that's like a little independent movie. I'm trying to see some of his stuff real quick on IMDb. He was in Jacob's Ladder. Uncle Buck was obviously before this. He was in uh, Michael Jackson's Black or White. Mm-hmm. Video? Anybody? Yep. yep. Uh, he was in My Girl in between the two. The Good Son was after, which is surprising. Hmm. Uh, Getting Even with Dad is the movie you're That's thinking. What, yeah, yeah. He was in Page Master, which mm-hmm. I know is supposed to be like a never ending story type shit. Hmm. Uh, Richie Rich. And then after Richie Rich, man, it's, it's nothing till like 2003. And then it's just. TV. I mean, he's got a so lot of money at that point yeah. as a very young person. Assuming that he got to keep all of his money, and that his parents didn't, you know, spend Swindle. it. Yeah, isn't I think his net worth right now is something around twenty million. Yeah, I don't know. I know he dated Mila Kunis for a long time, like on the on the download yeah, for like. 12, that seems worth it. Like, like I think like ten years or something like that. All right, there's not a whole lot of like, you know. Uh, kind of casting what ifs or like urban legends or stories from the set. I think just because it's essentially like the whole, the whole crew is back, right? There's not, yeah. they didn't recast anybody. They added like obviously Tim Curry, Rob Schneider, um, the pigeon lady, who's also the mom from, so I married an ax murder, Tyler. Yep. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah, they didn't really, there's not much like 
behind the scenes stuff for this. So I think we should just get right into the categories unless either of you gentlemen have anything you want to say. I have a question, which is, I know the two of you had toys as small children. Like you didn't Did have either any of toys? you have? Don't, yeah, you don't have to open up wounds of my childhood again. <laughs> Did either of you uh, have a talk boy? No. 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 Okay. All but right. I know the talk boy look- after this like did pretty well. Yeah, I mean it it was like an exact duplicate of the thing he carried around in the whole movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I I'm sure that they yeah. sold very well after this. No talk boy, man. That wasn't that I don't know. Okay. Maybe I was, was old a, I was a little old for that. I don't know. That would be cool. I was like twelve or thirteen year old still, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the real life application is for a fucking talk boy. Well, I think it was just like the attraction of like, you know, Kevin McAllister had it and I can record and play it back to you. Like watching your uncle take a shower and then you record him singing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hijinks of stealing hotel rooms and such. (laughs) And just be like, credit card, you got it. Like, is that what it is? (laughs) You got it. Anybody notice, by the way, when he's doing that, that he's like pressing down? There's nothing to slow. There's not a button to actually slow the recording down. He's like manually pressing down on the cassette. I've never noticed that, that. So I just watched the movie. He's pressing <laughs> down on the that. like the the open close area of the cassette to like slow down the reel. If you watch oh. the movie now, <laughs> I always thought there was like a button for like slow motion, not slow motion, but slow play- playback. You know, but he's like, nah, I'm just gonna press yeah. on this. He's like a little fucking MacGyver. Yep. I feel like the talk boy had that. Maybe I'm I'm looking at it wrong, but when I just watched the movie literally last night. He's pr- you, he's like visibly pressing down where you can see his like his thumb even kind of turning white from <laughs> the pressure and they like make an it's an emphasis to like actually show it in the shot. Weird. So maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe it's just you know the way Chris Columbus shot it. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that thing didn't exist when they filmed the movie. It did. They just it was a the talk boy did. Yeah, it, they made a conscious effort, John Hughes, to like bring that into the movie. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's a bunch of bunch of stuff on the Wikipedia page about it. Hmm, okay. And uh, now, look, Wikipedia has known to be wrong from time to time. <laughs> Occasionally. <laughs> Here, let me just edit it real quick. Let me edit the Wikipedia okay, page right. so I can just take it out yeah. of the um saying it wasn't it wasn't available at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean this isn't like the fucking hoverboard. <laughs> Dude, don't talk about it. <laughs> you upset still about the hoverboard? I'm pretty fucking salty about the hoverboard. <laughs> I can get you if you want. You don't like stuff, but I can get you like an actual like replica hoverboard if you really want, dude. I mean, if you're going to get me replica anything, I would take some Air Mags. Dude, those oh, are too yeah. expensive. I can't afford I that. Mean, what do you think I am? I mean, I don't got that. Just... I don't got that Facebook money. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get into these categories. Most watchable scene. Again, I've seen this movie a million times. Coming into it, I was thinking like I don't know what watchable scenes I'm going to put on. They have a couple scenes that, like, right off the top of your head, I think, come to mind. But I, I, I was like, I don't I, – I was struggling to gather, like, a handful of scenes. And I ended up having, like, eight. <laughs> so we're, do, we're doing okay. <laughs> All right. So the first watchable scene is the Christmas choir slash Buzz versus Kevin pleading their case scene. I love this scene. It makes me laugh. It just – there is no – like all the all the adults in this movie are scumbags, like every <laughs> single one. Every one of them that are open openly laughing at a child doing a solo, even if Buzz is being a prick, like who does that? It's terrible, terrible people. I always thought 
the like back and forth of the almost like lawyer esque Buzz versus Kevin part was funny until you realize that Buzz uses a derogatory term to lesbians. Oh yeah, yep. and says it twice in the movie. <laughs> it's rough. It's a rough one. Um, but this cements again. Uncle Frank is maybe one of the worst villains of all time. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck him. Uncle Frank doesn't get a lot of shine in this movie, but he's when he's on screen, he's a terrible human being. Damien? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing else more to say about it. Like, he's, he, you know, if we're getting a sneak peek into a future category, <laughs> he does a lot with the time that he has on screen. For sure. He is, you have Buzz and you have Uncle Frank, who are, they're not the villains per se, but they're not likable. But one is completely like hateable, mm-hmm. and the other one's just like ah, eh, standard like big brother kind of funny bullshit. Yeah. All right. Second scene is Kevin checks into the Plaza Hotel, so it's the first time you see Tim Curry and Rob Schneider. Great additions to the movie. Like yes. Tim Curry's fantastic. Doesn't have a name in the movie. Just called. He's just credited as the concierge. <laughs> so good. He's the best. Love that guy. Damien, this is two years after the fucking it. <laughs> How do you go from Pennywise to this? I don't know. I, yeah, the man's got range. Okay. So I'm going to ask a question within a question. Does the Plaza Hotel have the worst staff ever? For like a five-star hotel. Nobody's nice to anybody. Like nobody. The front desk staff are all terrible. I mean, it's New York. What do you think those <laughs> those Yelp reviews are? One star. A lot of one stars there. <laughs> a lot of one stars. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I like that scene. It makes me laugh. Again, you have the whole him talking to the talk boy, slowing down the, the recording to check in, the whole interaction with the, the front desk lady, Rob Schneider, doing all kinds of Rob Schneider, you know, 90s shit. Um, next scene is the concierge sneaks into Kevin's room. I like Tim Curry quite a bit in this movie, but I'm always also a little weirded out with his obsession with a 10-year-old kid. <laughs> Not obsession like a weird like predator way, but like why why don't you just ask the kid if he needs help? Like try to find out what's going on. None again, this goes back to my original my original statement. All the adults in this movie suck. But he does give the best line to me of the movie, which is housekeeping. <laughs> it's my fucking favorite. It's- Ever, it's so good. You do it so Knocks well on too. the door, and what is that accent? Like, what? Why? What is? Out of all the stuff Tim Curry can do, why does he do that? What is that? Damon, is that was it supposed to be like a like a Latino accent? Like, what? What is he doing? I have, I have no idea. And he's very like, he his look is like agnostic of anything. Right. Like, you could look right. at him and go like, oh, he's from wherever. Yeah, or he could be like. Middle Eastern. He could be like European. He could be white. Yeah. He could be like, <laughs> I, I don't get it. And also, why don't you just knock on the door and be like, "Sir, can I, you know, can I help you?" Instead of being a fucking creep. Yeah, and hearing that the shower is going, yes. and he like, you know, lurks his way in there. What was his purpose of going into the shower? Yeah, a lot of questions with this scene. <laughs> Lot, no answers. A lot of questions. <laughs> I got no answers, but I got a lot of <laughs> This whole podcast, I'm going to have a lot of questions. A lot. Good. All right. Uh, next scene is Kevin goes to uh, Duncan's toy chest. This is like seven scenes in one to me. Yeah. Because on his way to Duncan's, like you get some 
uh, Sticky Bandits at the ice skating rink. Then you get him at Duncan's toy chest, but then you also get the concierge realizing like the credit card is stolen. Then you get like him leaving Duncan's and the wet bandits are there. Sticky bandits, excuse me. So you get like a, a ton of scenes, but I think it's like kind of one continuous scene mm-hmm. with just multiple cuts, but it's still start of the scene. He's going to Duncan's toy test, uh, toy chest, end of the scene. He's going to, he's leaving Duncan's toy chest. So I think that's all good. Damien has a cheese pizza ever looked better to you. No, it's like for the rest of my life, that is the best looking <laughs> cheese pizza I will ever see. What about you, Tyler? That's a magnificent, just the way the steam's billowing off of it. Yeah, that's great Dude. stuff. And it's got like, he opens the box and the box is kind of like moving in an mm-hmm. odd way. Like it's, you can see the pizza like flexing. It's the best. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's, the, it's the number one of what cheese pizza should look like mm-hmm. and everything is measured against this. I think you and I have had conversations about that cheese pizza, Damien. 100%. <laughs> was anybody else when they saw this? Well, I know, Tyler, you said you saw it as a kid. Damien, you also did. Did this blow your mind as like a child? Like that toy store and, oh, my God, I can get in a limo by myself and I can have like Coke and, and pizza and no one's going to bother me and I have like a fucking pocket full of money. He's living that life, man. I mean, <laughs> the limo with the pizza, the Grinch is yeah. on, drinking soda, yeah. going to a toy store. Out of a champagne glass, right? Away. That is peak childhood <laughs> dreams right there. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Okay. Um, and then the next scene directly after that is Kevin in his room versus the hotel staff. This is a scene Damien and I have talked about multiple times. And why is that, Damien? Is it because little Mo has a gimpy leg? You was here. And you were smooching with my brother. That's a dirty rotten lie, Johnny. Don't give me that. You've been smooching with everybody. Snuffy, Al, Leo, little Mo with the gimpy leg, Cheeks, Bony Bob, Cliff. I could go on forever, baby. Oh, fuck. I was just trying to, like, think about the actual scene. Yes, that's it. We've had so many conversations. <laughs> or Cl- poor Cliff. It's a lie. Yeah. No, it's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. It wasn't me. You've been smooching Bony Bob. Cliff. Little Mo with the gimpy leg. Oh, man. And then the last scene is like the last like 25 minutes of the movie, which felt last night watching it that it lagged. It just, it, it not lagged, but it just kind of drug on for a little bit is a Kevin versus the Sticky Bandits. Because yeah. that really is like, it feels like a 25, 30 minute scene. I don't know if it was, but it feels like it's potentially like a quarter of the movie. Yeah. It lasts a long time. So those time. are my scenes. Damien, what do you got? I don't have anything to add. You got all of mine okay. um, that I wrote down. Sorry. The I, I will quickly add that, and you already mentioned this, but the um, the pageant scene where basically every adult in the theater in the audience is a terrible human mm-hmm. being for laughing at this child. Mm-hmm. Um, but Uncle Frank sends him, sets himself apart uh, <laughs> when the Christmas tree falls on the old lady playing the oh. piano and she falls back and everybody else stops laughing and Uncle Frank is just audibly like bursting into tears. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I have a question about that. Did that lady die? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. She's an older lady. She falls, does not catch herself, looks like, what, five, six, seven foot drop backwards, yeah. potentially on her head. She bled she out, die. man. She bled out. You think she did? <laughs> she, bled, yeah. she bled out. What makes me laugh about that scene, too, is we talked about this on the original pod, is Kevin's dad and Uncle Frank are obviously brothers, and they couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. True. 
and this this scene specifically when fucking when they're like, hey, let everybody know that Kevin Solo's coming up. And his dad tells Frank's wife, who has to wake him up, and Frank uh, Kevin's dad is laughing because his brother is, fu- is asleep. Like, is his brother just, is, is Kevin's dad just an enabler of bad Uncle Frank bullshit? Yeah, the only thing I could think of is the, you know, a fan theory from the first one of what... Um, mm-hmm. Peter's occupation is, right. and I think he just doesn't give a fuck. Like, he's used to seeing some really dark shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so his brother falling asleep is not a big deal. Did you notice that he was on The Sopranos? Uh, uh, the dad? Yeah. Hmm. No, I don't think I remember that. Yeah. So are you, like, fully now invested that he's a crime boss? Uh, I've been, I've been like, a subscriber to that theory <laughs> for many years now. All right. Tyler, do you have a, a scene specifically you like, or...? Yeah, um, my favorite one is uh, the scene where Marvin and Harry see Kevin. They grab him, they chase him, and that leads. They all go through yeah. the the lobby, and and um, yeah, it culminates with the hotel staff all against him. But I also yeah, love the, the scene with the uh, the park scene with the bird lady. Um, I think it's 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 this theme of these movies. These two, it's this really great, but also in a way, a very weird and irresponsible lesson where mm-hmm. it's which sounds very corny i'm gonna sound very corny but like to open your minds to these social outcasts these yeah. people who are on the margins of society and you see this kid who's who's very comfortable and confident speaking to adults not um not giving into the whatever the, you know the the predominant theory is about these these people but it's also just a little bit weird that Maybe it encourages kids <laughs> to speak to strangers, including one yeah. called the South Bend Shovel Slayer. So, but I, I had that thought. You know, the the movie was enjoyable in a lot of the same ways the first one was, but that stood out to me like this. It's kind of cool that this they're showing kids what it's like to be confident in in who you are. So, weird. so old man Marley in the first one, I get why he ends up being befriending him. Right, he's his ne- his direct neighbor. Yeah, like I get that, and he also saves his life. But obviously, that's after mm-hmm. he befriends him. But the pigeon lady. All I can think of is especially when they are in the – I don't know how they get into the top of the uh, – where the orchestra is playing, like the, the symphony. Um, all I can think about when I'm watching that is, like, this lady's been through some, like, real shit. <laughs> and she's got this fucking 10-year-old, like, lecturing her about life. Yeah. And all I can think about is, like, nobody wants to hear that shit from you, kid. <laughs> so I appreciated that relationship in the first movie. Yeah. In the second movie, I get why they did that. They're using the same, like, archetype for everything Mm -hmm. it just felt a little more forced in this one for sure but i get it it's not doesn't take me out of the movie but i understand i can rationalize the relationship in the first one where this one is just kind of out there for sure yeah and again i'm gonna go back to the parents and the adults she's not mentally ill she's just down on her luck how come that bitch doesn't tell kevin to go to the police or say hey you know what you're a 10 year old why are you out in the middle of nowhere doing nothing? Why don't we bring you to the police? Like, what's going on? She's just like, nah, see you later. Buy me my cup of, my cup of uh, hot chocolate and deuces. Nobody else have a problem with this? I would, like we said, man, a <laughs> lot of questions, no answers. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we move on, so I know that we talked about this in the first pod. Angels with Filthy Souls. Not a real movie. It broke my heart when I found that out. Like, literally, I was so bummed as a child when I found that out. Angels with filthier souls, obviously not a real movie. 
But Damien, if they were real movies and we saw like the parts we saw, which one's a better movie? Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two. Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. two as well. Yeah. Because I mean, little Mo with the gimpy leg. <laughs> Bob. Yeah, Bony Bob. Bony Bob. Bony Bob. Yeah, Bony Bob. Cliff. Dude, yeah. you've been smooching with everybody. <laughs> my brother? with my brother. <laughs> Tyler, when did you realize that these weren't real movies? I think I never realized, recognized the name. Well, maybe I had a sense that they were produced for the movie, but I never knew the name. I know I didn't know the name of you know, Angels with Filthy Souls until yeah. last year. And it was just like the greatest gift I've ever received. <laughs> if I can figure out a way to like a band, I'm not into music, but like a band name, mm. somehow to work Angels with Filthy Souls into the podcast, that's an amazing, <laughs> that might be some of the John Hughes' best writing. True. Assuming he wrote that out. It's a, that's an amazing title for, did a, you, for did, a movie. Did you see the VHS box on top of Angels with Filthier Souls in this movie? Fuck, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I was going to write it down, but I can't remember what it was. It wasn't as good, but it's still it's, it's still good. It's Muttville Massacre. That's what it <laughs> was. <laughs> like, where's this kid getting these VHSs? I don't know. I'm going to say again. <laughs> Who's looking out for Kevin? Yep. Nobody. Kid loses his pants swimming? Nah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Poor Kevin. What do you what do you think so so the first thing that I thought as I was like writing down all the names that he goes over, Snuffy, Al, Leo, <laughs> Little Mo with the Gimpy Leg. Which what is you, the best. Yeah. Oh, God. Little Mo with the Gimpy Leg. I think for at, – at some point, uh, my dog, when we lived near each other, Crum hurt his leg. And that was the immediate nickname that he was given was Little Mo with the Gimpy Leg. That's 100%. You are correct. It's yeah. just the best. I – I look for the opportunity to call somebody Mo with a gimpy leg. Right, right. It doesn't have to be little Mo, just Mo with the gimpy leg. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder like what do you so little Mo with the gimpy with the gimpy leg is yeah. like you you immediately have the picture of that person in your head. You can see it. Yeah. Um but I wonder like what do you what things have to happen in your life to get the nickname Cheeks? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I mean got to have maybe big cheeks like puffy face big yeah, jaw maybe. maybe like a like a jay leno type thing i don't know or maybe you know you're 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 down with the ladies maybe you're popular hey. with the ladies hey mm-hmm. maybe there was like some sort of a heist where you had to show them cheeks <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah yeah okay yeah that's a good one bony bob i always thought was great and i would never like i'm Bob is not my favorite name. Maybe Bony Bob's Sorry got for anybody like osteoporosis named. or something. <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe he's just a thin guy. Maybe he's oh, okay, you know okay. naturally naturally uh, naturally svelte. That could be you. Svelte. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't I don't particularly like the name Bob, but like Bony Bob is a good nickname. <laughs> yeah. I've always. I mean, the Slim Reaper is still should be your nickname on everything. That's yeah. That's a good yeah, one. Good. Yeah. But you might be need snuff. To be, you might need to be Bony Bob for now on. That's <laughs> a that's a good one. Snuffy was my other favorite. Snuffy's great. I mean, Snuffy's, he's a stone cold killer. For sure. Right. That's why his name's Snuffy. And yeah. then Cliff. I mean, he's done some things. <laughs> Cl- right. Cliff ain't done nothing. No dirt. Yeah. Just smooching. Yeah, just with my brother. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I what, wish when he. What is the main guy's name, though? Do we ever get that? There's Snake. Snakes is in the first one. Remember Snakes? Yep. I don't know yeah. those snakes. He sounded like a snake. Snakes, snakes. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. He just says you've been smooching with everybody. Snuffy, Al, Leo, Little Mo with the gimpy leg, <laughs> cheeks, bony Bob, Cliff. I could go on forever, baby. I I feel like like uh, little uh, Little Mo with the gimpy leg is like Joe Pesci. That's who I envision. <laughs> it's yeah. like Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. Yeah, but it's like you know, it's not like a, a dragon leg thing, but it's like a full hobble. Yeah, like he was born with a leg that's like a full like inch shorter. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he's got like a weird he's got like a weird thing going on. But he's yeah. again like a killer. Don't talk about his leg. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's like uh, Mad Dog Tannen. Yeah. Right. You can't call him Mad Dog. Hey, hates that name. Hates it. Hates it. All right. What the fuck moment. Again, I was like, I, uh, what kind of, you know, I don't know if I got any more what the fuck moments. But I ended up having some. Um, Kevin tells an adult multiple times that the sticky bandits are chasing after him when they first meet. Nope. Nothing. You literally see a 10-year-old boy being ch- 10, 11, whatever, chased through Manhattan by two. They don't look like normal dudes. <laughs> and everybody's just like, nah, we're good. That's a what the fuck. <laughs> Prostitutes trying to pick up a ten-year-old. <laughs> like, what is that? What is that? Uh. And then the last one is, and I literally wrote the fucking taxi driver. <laughs> the biggest what the fuck moment, maybe of any movie ever. Because as it, his I, Kevin McAllister's reaction to that dude was my reaction in real life. <laughs> Just <laughs> oh fuck, he I got, got in the wrong cab. He gets out of the cab and runs into Central Park. In the middle of the night. I don't know. Damien, you got any? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I had those. The only other ones I had were um, when the Sticky Bandits are at the ice skating rink. There's a scene where uh, Harry is, like, trying to shoo away a, like, New York <laughs> pigeon. And right. he beats the fuck out of it with a newspaper. And the pigeon is like, I don't give a fuck what you have to say. Like, it doesn't move. And it looked like he's legitimately like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, and the man. pigeon's not moving. Um, so that was one. Okay. I don't know if that was just, like, a, a legit New York pigeon or if that was, there's a trained <laughs> pigeon that was okay with being swatted with a newspaper. Oh, can, you train, uh, can you train pigeons? Uh, yeah. I mean, we talked about Ghost Dog on a recent podcast, right? We did. <laughs> I mean, we, yes. Carry your pigeons. Kind of. They do things. All right. They carry things. Uh, the flight <laughs> attendant telling Kevin to go find an empty seat. Yeah. You yeah, imagine like, a flight attendant like, yeah, just look, <laughs> just look for an empty seat. It'll be fine. <laughs> just, you see your father? Yeah. All right. Go sit down. <laughs> yeah. And I'm the last you, dude, one, the, it's the fucking adults are the worst. Yeah, I know they're awful. The whole, there is not one adult in this movie that is not deplorable. None. Yeah, they're oh. they're all bad. Mr. Duncan. Who? Okay, uh, Mr. True. Duncan. Yeah, but even Mr. Yeah, Duncan, Duncan. should have been a little bit more like, okay, you got a good story. You're here helping. You got some money. Like, where are your parents? Good point. All right. Yeah, but it's fine. Mr. Duncan has his heart is in in the right place. It's true. Uh, the last one I had, I hesitated to even bring up um, because it, it doesn't hold up well in 2020. I but when it. they're upstairs, oh, okay, when they're when they're upstairs in the attic specifically, because this, this is mentioned several times, uh, when they're upstairs <laughs> in the attic, Kevin's mom is like scolding him yeah. uh, for being in trouble, and he says the word crap, 
and she's like, whoa, whoa, I don't like the language that you're using. Yeah. Like, she scolds him, and then, it, like, five seconds later, he says trout sniffer, and she's like, fucking move right along. Right. <laughs> that, that's, that one's totally fine. So I thought about that, right? And I did a little research into it. And that's not the first thing. Like, when you Google that term, and God forbid I Googled the term, I'm pro- I did it on incognito mode, though. Um, <laughs> You're on list. <laughs> that's not the first thing that comes up is the derogatory oh, really? term to, to lesbians. There's a couple other, like, um, terms. Uh, a couple other interpretations of that is uh, being poor. There's a couple other less <laughs> aggressive, mm. um, again, interpretations of that phrase. Mm. Nonetheless, okay. that's the only one I think of now as a derogatory term mm-hmm. to, a, to a lesbian. And they, they double down on that shit within like 15 minutes. Not even 15 minutes, probably like five minutes. All right. Tyler, what, what do you got? What do you got for what the fuck moments? beating the pigeon about the head and shoulders is definitely what was on my list. <laughs> that was just very aggressive. And, uh, I don't think, um, w- would fly this day and age. Uh, ah. but Damien's right. That bird didn't give a shit and was just like, I'm staying here. This is my, this is my turf. <laughs> um, that was one, uh, Fruit Stripe Gum making a comeback. Remember Fruit Stripe Gum? Oh, fuck. That's <laughs> oh, not yeah. a what the fuck moment. I know. That's a what the fuck moment in a good way. I know. That was. I was like, oh shit, I forgot Dude. all about Fruit Stripe Gum. And did you guys, did someone ever tell you that no. you could chew the wrapper <laughs> along no. with the gum? Yes, I had heard that with Cinnaburst gum as well. Cinnaburst, okay. Hmm. I couldn't remember. I thought it was Cinnaburst, I think, was the one you could do. But could you really? I think the time I tried Cinnaburst wrapper, it didn't go so well. The, the fruit stripes, you could put the the wrapper on your tongue, and it would leave, like, the, oh. the, the um, like, design on your tongue. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, and then the other one was <laughs> the prostitutes trying to pick up Kevin, saying, looking Dude. for someone to read you a bedtime story? <laughs> no, bitch. I'm looking for someone to help me out. I'm 10 years old. <laughs> God. Like, I refuse to be, believe that hookers are that deplorable. Like, they still have to have some human decency, right? Yeah, not in New York. Not in New York. This is a bad look for New York, right? This whole movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, so I have a question. You guys aren't going to be able to answer it. Maybe you could answer it. The first movie, you know, the crime boss, Peter, the the dad, (laughs) sends all of his family, including brother and nieces and nephews, to Paris. Right? Pays for it all. They're going to Paris. How do you go from one year going to Paris to the next year going to fucking Florida? First of all, it's like vacation whiplash. Right. But like, how do they, what's the, where, where, what's the, where's the moving parts for that? So the first time they're going to, to Paris to see their other brother. This time they're going to Florida. They have no reason to go to Florida. It sounds like Uncle Frank makes like a throwaway comment like, oh, it doesn't look like this on our wedding, on our honeymoon. So Mm -hmm. it looks like maybe they're going there at Uncle Frank's recommendation. But why would they not go see their brother again, who also has a brownstone in Manhattan and lives in Paris as well? So he's doing some he's doing some dirt as well, Damien. Mm -hmm. But like, I, I never understood that fucking Paris, then Florida. Anybody have that same feeling towards this, Damien? Yeah, I don't. I can't think of a reason to ever go to Florida, so I can't imagine going there for vacation. Yeah, it's not like they're going to like Disney World or something. Yeah, I think they're going to like Miami. Yeah, and they're like literally going to like a fucking motel. 
yeah, I, I get it. There's no like Yelp at this point. There's no internet, but there's still like, <laughs> like you can get people to plan your fucking vacation for you if you're a crime boss. <laughs> the only thing I could think of is you know a lot of crime families would go to Florida to vacation. True. So it fits. It fits in the whole I'm a crime boss yeah. bullshit kind of narrative. Yeah. Tyler, you have any issues with that? No, it always seemed. I remember that specifically. It's one of the few things I remembered about the movie from way back when, them being in Florida, being miserable, and it seemed like a very weird choice, especially compared to being Paris in this nice hotel or wherever they were. So, makes no sense. Florida's a death trap. Don't go there. <laughs> have you been to Florida? Never, <laughs> but I but I read a lot of things. <laughs> I've read, I read I've, something. I've read a lot. Uh, Damien, have you been to Florida? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You made it out okay. All right. Standout performance. I mean, there's one, right? It, it's Kevin. It's Macaulay Culkin. Like, this movie doesn't work, and we've seen it multiple times after that it doesn't work. I threw in Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern in this as well. I enjoy them in this movie, but they are way worse in this movie than they are in the first one. Like, Joe Pesci is much better, I think, in the first one than this. This one, it's all slapsticky, all mm. throwaway lines. The first one... There is a little bit of like, what's their motivation? Why are they doing what they're doing? Joe Pesci has a little bit more of a not so goofy until the end. But like Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci are both like, we're just going to act as dumb as we can the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Damien, do you have anybody you added? No, I wrote down Kevin. For me, it was particularly knowing that he in real life is only 12 years old. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't even, I can't even remember being 12 years old, so I can't imagine I had anything going on yeah. um, other than being a little idiot. And so the fact that he's able to, to like, be so expressive um, and articulate uh, and just seems like a, a very well-rounded actor at such a young age is, is legitimately impressive. Yeah. I mean, you definitely didn't have any toys at 12. We've established that. Yeah. Thanks for keeping that wound open. <laughs> Tyler. Yeah, Kevin for sure. I I still enjoyed Marv and Harry. Um, yeah, yeah. They're not they're not quite where they were in the first one, but the, that's the only other person, the only other people in this movie that I thought um, were you know giving stand up performances. I know we'll get to another yeah. category where I'll, where I'll mention probably my favorite person in the movie, but um, Kevin gets my nod for this one. I think that there are a lot of good performances, a lot of um, good, like, almost cameos. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, Tim Curry's not a cameo. He's in the movie enough to not be a cameo. But none of them have enough screen time. Right. It's it's Kevin's movie. He's alone, I don't know, 70% of the movie, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Okay, worst performance. I don't have anybody. I don't think anybody gave a bad performance. There's a ton of overacting, but I don't think anybody, like, stood out as just terrible. Yeah, Damien? I agree. Same. All right. So let's uh before we go to our normal categories, I got I got a couple other questions. Um, Damien, where does Kate, who is Kevin's mom, where do you think she ranks in like the pantheon of worst on-screen parents of all time? She's not doing anything. I mean, she's not like, you know, she's not doing black tar heroin or, you know, beating people with wire hangers, but like she's not a good person. She doesn't feel like a good person. She's pretty uh, neglected. She doesn't. She she seems to neglect Kevin. She got like a hundred kids. I don't know why you'd have that many kids if you can't take care of them all. Is she is she a terrible mom or is she just? I don't know. Just not dialed in a hundred percent. I think like for me, this feeds into the mob boss theory, 
which is just like she's a mob wife. <laughs> she's used to kind of just like being taken care of. She has little to no actual responsibilities in life. And so, yeah, of course, when it comes to like taking care of another human being, she <laughs> is not great. Yeah. Like, would you, where would you put her? Would you put her like above like Jenny from Forrest Gump? You know, she doesn't have fucking AIDS or, you know, like hepatitis and goes and drops off her, her kid with the, with the, uh, the shrimp billionaire right before dying. Would you put her above that, but like below like Lorraine Baines McFly from, from Back <laughs> to the Future, who also doesn't seem to really like her kids either and is drinking straight like Smirnoff vodka? <laughs> like, where does she, is she above both of those? Is she like in between them? Those are those are like great reference points um, because as soon as you ask the question, I'm like, I don't even who the fuck else would I pull out to like rank her against? Yeah, um, she's way better than Jenny. Jenny is like absolutely. the absolute maybe one of the worst people to ever <laughs> exist in real or fictional life. Still, arguably one um, of the biggest villains of any movie of all time. You could you could make a strong argument for the top five. Absolutely. Probably she takes advantage of a mentally ill man, has his kid. Potentially, he's going to give him AIDS. Drops off the kid who might have AIDS as well, uh, <laughs> only when he's a billionaire. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. Uh, and then you know, compared to the McFly family, she <laughs> um, she is probably I don't know that that one's like a little bit closer. I feel yeah. like she's she's maybe like you know on par um, to maybe a little bit better. Like she's not actually a bad human being. Um, McAllister, she's just like, you know, doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> she doesn't give a shit about her 10 year old. <laughs> Loves Buzz, yeah, though. It, Rides hard yeah, for I Buzz. Mean, right. She's got a bunch of money and, you know, it doesn't really matter. Somebody else will take care of the problem. All right. Tyler? I'm going to go the other way here. I don't think she's that bad. I mean, you Fair. see her in one and two. She's, she's, uh, given some tough love she doesn't let kevin get away with stuff she she sends him upstairs and she's so she disciplines him i think um i'm not going to try to excuse for getting your child uh in two different locations two years in a row but i feel like they uh i don't know as someone who feels like a bad parent each day i feel like you know she's um <laughs> she's not i, I want to give her a little slack you know <laughs> so uh, plus, I love Catherine yeah, I O'Hara, that. so I give her some slack for that too. Catherine O'Hara is fantastic. Yeah. Probably ended up being like the biggest star out of yeah this franchise. Um, I think my problem with her is not necessarily like giving the tough love to Kevin because Kevin's a prick yeah. a lot of times. Um, but the 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 fact that Kevin is ten, Buzz is probably sixteen, mm-hmm. and she's never it. Buzz knows better, mm-hmm. and he's just antagonizing his little brother, mm-hmm. and she's never showing him any kind of discipline it's always kevin and that's what that's what bugs me true uh but yeah i don't think she's a terrible mom she's not a likable character per se yeah, but yeah. she cares about her kids obviously yeah i'm gonna really hang on the whole mob wife thing yeah i think that she has very little control over anything in her life um because there's like all this this dark shit that she can't um, has no control over she she has no input on and she knows bad things are happening but she gets a little comfortable life because of it one of the only areas in her life that she has perceived control is over kevin yeah. so mm-hmm. it's not like a tough love thing it's like a i'm gonna get 
stay on your case because I don't have anybody else that I can go do this with. Do you th- do you think she knows that Buzz is like second in line to run the mob bo- mob and he's probably doing like shady shit at school, probably in trouble. He's bigger than her. Do you think he's she's maybe like intimidated by him? So she's like the only person I can like try to mold into a decent human being is Kevin. Hmm. That was going to be my ends next up being thing. Jigsaw, like we established that in the first one, he ends up yeah. ends up being you know the guy from Saw. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my next thing, which is Buzz is is the oldest son, and so yeah. he's first in line to take over the family business, and so and appears he's to be basically like a psych- psychopath or sociopath. Yeah, definitely a sociopath, like yeah. tricking everybody, manipulating the family. Has a spider. So no, <laughs> yeah. no normal human being has a spider as a fucking pet. Yeah. <laughs> Only evil villains. They got new so beaches. Anyway, I think. <laughs> not in winter. winter. Not in the winter. All right. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. I, I think that again, she's she's not a terrible mom. She's not great. That reminds me of one of the other scenes that I really like, but it's such a small scene is when they're talking to the cop <laughs> in Miami, <laughs> and that's like the, the the moment that the two parents shine yeah. and their comedic timing and their chemistry when they're like, ah, "We never lose our luggage, though." <laughs> and then, and then one they of knock my, on the table yeah, at the same time. One of my favorite is, though, when the dad tries to reiterate, like, that's what my wife meant when she said, you know, <laughs> we've never. And he, she just reaches over and, like, touches him, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's all time for me. Yeah. Funny moment. Yeah. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> all right. Uh, back in these categories. The Nicolas Cage Award for overacting. I, dude, there's a lot. You could put everybody, like, literally every single person in this movie. Maybe not the dad. Peter doesn't dial it up like he's pretty even keeled. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine O'Hara goes up and down like she's all over the place. I put all of the kids because <laughs> all of the kids are, are dialing it up. They're all like, hey, I got 30 seconds of screen time. I'm doing the most I can. <laughs> but the person for me that I think is the most overacted, I think it's just him, is Rob Schneider. Mm. In everything he's in, it's just like a 15. I have no idea if Rob Schneider can act. I have no idea if that's just who he is. I have no idea if I actually think he's funny. He's just a, f- a hundred in everything he's in. He's not bad. It's not right. a bad performance. It makes me laugh. Like he's he plays a part, especially like the physical comedy where he's laying on the ground and Tim Curry pulls it. Like there's some parts that are funny, but he's like a hundred. Yeah. Damien, you got anything? No, I'm with you in that like you could give it to this is one of those like you would give it to everybody and yeah. so effectively nobody gets it. I do agree with you if I had to pick one that's probably Rob Schneider. Um, I, I feel like he's that one friend that we all have growing up who is really funny and is willing to do things that are probably unhealthy <laughs> for the sake of laughs and maybe like needs a bit of attention. Um, but he's just like still that person as an adult <laughs> forever. It's a great analogy. Yes. Fair enough. Tyler? Um, I think I'm going with Daniel Stern, who I would have given the award to in the first one. He And it's it's he's doing what he should be doing, and it benefits the movie the way he does it, but he's just so extreme that I have to give him this award. He's a lot. He's yeah. very goofy in this movie. Yeah. Much more than he is, I think, in the first one. I think it's, I think it's the, the brick scene where... The he brick, keeps... the getting electrocuted. There's yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where in the first one, he has a couple good lines that make you laugh, mm-hmm. like where, you know, kids are scared of the dark. <laughs> you know, Santa Claus doesn't visit, doesn't visit, uh, what does he say? Funeral Damn. homes. <laughs> Funeral homes, little buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's got some he's got some good lines in the first one, where this one, I think he, they just 
they're using him for kind of the goofy parts and the the kind of physical comedy. Yeah. All right, Damien, wet bandits or sticky bandits? What's a better nickname? Uh, wet bandits. Yeah. Okay. Why? Uh, I don't know. It might be just my affinity for the first one. Sure. There's something. Maybe it's because it's shorter. Uh, I don't know if he, if he has like rolls off the tongue a little nicer. The first, the, the sticky bandits, there's a whole backstory to it, right? Like you see why he's doing it where this one is just like, oh, I put tape around my hand. Yeah. Like the, the first one is like a calling card. He's doing it for a reason. Yeah. This one is, it's more out of necessity just so that he can stick his hand in fucking, you know, uh, donation pots and get the change. <laughs> the first one, he wants to be like a notorious bandit. Right. Yeah. Tyler, you agree? Yeah. Sticky bandits. 100%. Okay. All right. So I'm sorry, guys. Let me see where we're at. I'm flipping back and forth up here. Uh, Okay. Who did the most with the least? You could put a lot of different people on here. You could put Uncle Frank, right? You could put Tim Curry as the concierge. You could put Devin Ratray as as Buzz. Uncle Frank and Buzz are better in the first movie, Mm -hmm. no doubt. It's not even close. I gotta, I gotta go with Tim Curry just because of this movie, and he makes me laugh in like the five minutes he's in the movie. And it's Tim Curry. I'm happy to see that guy on any movie on my screen at any point. Damien, you got anybody you want to add to this? Not that I would add. I would agree with you. It was tough for me going back and forth between Uncle Frank, who, as we already mentioned, is like um, pretty high on the list of worst movie villains, um, and then. Tim Curry, who is just anytime he's on screen, like I'm happy yeah. because he's amazing. Uh, and he's like, you know, he, like you said, he's got maybe five minutes or something like that. Yeah. And with very few lines. And he's got so great, I, he's got great lines. So even the few lines, he has memorable like moments. Yeah. His, when he gets slapped and he has the little whip <laughs> lip quiver is, is maybe like it, his eyes are kind of watery. Yeah, There's so much happening in that scene. It's perfect. That scene yeah. and when he mimics what the Grinch looks like when he smiles. Yeah. I'm like, I've never seen anybody look more like the Grinch yeah. than this yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. Okay. Tyler? Tim Curry, by far. I think his facial expressions are flawless. When Kevin walks in the first time, he gives him this glare that's just like few people on the planet can make the faces that he makes. And that, and that face in particular. Uh, this is the thing that disappointed me most because I remember him from the movie – I remember him like like on the movie box, I believe, maybe not, but I just I knew sure. he was in this movie, and I thought he was a very key part of this movie. So when I saw him in just like you said, the first you know only five minutes or so, I was really bummed. So that's that's the one real knock I have against this movie is that I expected him to be anymore, and he wasn't. So I find it odd, not odd. It's interesting to me that they put two of the people who are simultaneously like great actors but also the most menacing people like on the face of the earth <laughs> earth with him and Joe Pesci in this movie where either one of them can just give you a look yeah. and you're like I'm good <laughs> like I don't need I don't want any part of that yeah. and they got them both in this movie about a kid <laughs> like Tim Curry is genuinely menacing looking to me yeah, yeah. or like an old British dude mm-hmm. and you said that this was coming off of it yeah, yeah it was in 1990 <laughs> And then yeah. this. <laughs> so I mean, he might have had some is... stuff in between. Like, I'm not sure when Clue came out. There's some stuff he could have had in between. Rocky Horror Picture Show was obviously before both of those. Yeah. But, like, it to this, again, is 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 like 
movie whiplash. Yeah. You think anybody on set of uh, Home Alone 2 asked him Curry to do the Pennywise oh, laugh? <laughs> I fucking hope not. It's like terrifying. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be very, very tempted to ask. No. Nope. Do you think anybody said, kiss me, fat boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Damon. I you know what you're talking about. very much because you're like genuine. You might have like a fear sweats right now. I know. I was like, oh, God, I got like a little bit of PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Does this still hold up? Okay, so th- there's an elephant in the room in this movie, right? <laughs> there's a very specific scene that does not hold up in this movie anymore. Yeah. And it's in 2020, there is nothing that holds up less than Donald Trump trying to help a child separated from their family. <laughs> Because the man has literally done the complete opposite. He's actually separated children from their families. At scale. At scale. At scale to the point where, like, some of them don't know where their parents are anymore. So the fact that this is in the movie kind of bums me out. So this was one of the only things I could find out about, like, behind the scenes for this movie. Could be bullshit. You know, it's on the Internet. Who knows? That Trump, But knowing who Trump is, it makes sense to me. Um, that he requested a cameo in exchange for allowing them to film in the Plaza Hotel because he owns the Plaza Hotel. Of course. And he said, you can film here, but I got to be in the movie. Fucker. I believe that. Yeah. I 100% believe that, just like knowing the man's ego. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite things that I've heard in recent times is that now when ca- in, when this movie is shown in Canada, they have cut this scene out of the movie. <laughs> this movie is... This, this, this does not... When it's shown on Canadian TV... This is not in the movie anymore. What What did that you guys so watch happy. when you watched it this time, guys? What What streaming service or how did you watch it? Uh, physical media, brother. Okay, I thought so. Damien, how did you watch it? Yeah, YouTube. Because we watched it on Disney Plus, and there was a. I, I might have been out of the room, but Ashley was in the room. I don't think he's on the Disney Plus version either. Hmm. Which is a great call. Yeah, it's that's surprising for Disney. I don't know. Not really. Well, I, I guess it, yeah, kinda. I guess I don't know. It depends. I guess it would be surprising. I'm not a massive fan of taking things out of movies, yeah. right? I get I get things don't hold up, but at the time, yeah. it's in it for a reason. Mm-hmm. With something like this, it doesn't lend itself to the plot at all, right. right? It's just supposed to be funny that Donald Trump he doesn't realize who Donald Trump is. Right. But I don't know, like, what 10-year-old, and I, I, I don't know that I would have known who that was at, when I was 10. Yeah. No, just, I just like a generic old white man. <laughs> yeah, the the irony of him helping a child is what gets me. Yeah. Um, all right. Also, something that doesn't hold up, we talked about earlier, uh, Buzz using derogatory term for lesbians towards his 10-year-old brother. It's a rough one. Yep. Also, taking carbon copies of credit cards. <laughs> That's long since been gone. Dude, that was gone, like, I feel like four or five years after this movie. I don't remember the last time I saw someone, like, back and forth with the credit card on the carbon yeah. copy. Besides that, everything else I, I holds up in the movie. Kevin's mom's hair isn't amazing in the movie. That's She's got the big wave. Um, but even though this movie was in the early 90s, it doesn't feel like early 90s, I guess, to me at least. Tyler, do you have anything you want to add? I do. Um, I think it's it's helps the story along, but it's still something you probably wouldn't see even as like a little plot device, which is when Kevin grabs the lady's butt on the street corner 
and then he sure. thinks it's Daniel Stern. So other than um, yeah, that 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 seemed like uh, something they probably wouldn't put in a movie, even to for the laugh that it child. created. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's okay because of what he was doing. That's why I didn't put it in. Like, I feel like the kid feels like he's in mortal danger and he pinches a lady's butt to get her to, to help. Yeah. Seemed like a weird, like, John Hughes is writing the script. I don't know where that comes from out of all of the things you can think of. I don't know why that's, like, right. the catalyst for that. But yeah. I, I, I get that. Yeah. What's all got? Damien? The only, like, lighthearted thing that I wrote down is relying on wall plugged-in alarm clocks to wake up. <laughs> Which we haven't learned from two years prior. Uh, how do you not know? Well, there's multiple reasons Kevin gets home, or gets left home in the first one, right? They throw away his airplane ticket. That's right. the biggest yeah. one. That's how they yeah. don't know. But yeah, maybe set maybe set up set a backup alarm. Or how do you not know your fucking alarm clock's flashing? True. Yeah. I mean, look, I manage people. I still get the excuse. You know, I slept through my alarm. I get that shit all the time. <laughs> That's a pretty weak excuse in 2020, right? Yeah. I'm going to go, for me, it's still Trump. That's the, the biggest. This might be the biggest what doesn't hold up in any movie of any time ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just confirmed he is in the Disney Plus version, so we just I just overlooked it. So, Or you, like, just or, subconsciously. You, yeah, <laughs> blocked it out. Push it out of your head. I don't have to think about that much anymore. So, yeah. Did you remember he was in the movie? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. Okay. All right. Tyler, did, did you realize Ali Sheedy was in this movie? No, where? What? So when he lands in New York and he goes up to the 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 person working the desk at the at the airport and he oh, says, yeah. she's like, "Can I help you, sir?" That's, that's Ali Sheedy. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How does she not turn around and put his ass right back on the plane? Right. Oh my god. Not being serious. Like, how does that not happen? Uh, fuck if I know. Kid huh? doesn't know where he's at. Doesn't appear to like he's having a meltdown. Yeah. A little bit. No parents around. How is she not like TSA? I got this fucking kid. Doesn't know where he's at. We might need to send him back where he came from. A lot of questions, no answers. Just another adult that sucks ass in this movie. <laughs> you knew that. You know who that was, Damien? No, I was just gonna say I don't know who Ali Sheedy is, but I wrote down: Is that the woman from Happy Gilmore? No, that's Julie Benz. Okay. Okay. Ali Sheedy is. You've seen Breakfast Club? Yeah. Yes. Another John Hughes movie. Ali Sheedy is the one who um, is like the goth one of the group. Who's like okay, the emo okay. one. That's her. Got but it. I, just, I don't know why she made a cameo in this. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is because of John Hughes. Yeah. He wrote and directed Breakfast Club. He wrote this, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. she was doing other things. It's not like she was a non-working actor. Got it. All right. So this still holds up. The whole movie still works for me. I still laugh at certain at specific parts. Um, there's nothing that's like so cringeworthy. It takes me out of the movie, but specifically the idea of Christmas in New York, this movie gets me every time with it. Yeah. Like the, the Rockefeller center, you know, the, the Plaza hotel, the snow central park, like all that. This is like one of the, when I think of Christmas and specifically, like I romanticize what Christmas in New York is to the point where it's like on the bucket list. I want to go at some point. Yep. Um, this movie kind of encompasses all that for me. You got anything else, Damien, you want to add? No, I would just completely agree with that. The The whole movie itself holds up. The It being like a Christmas film, you know, with the uh, adventure yeah. and the whole like little kid sort of fantasy of having complete freedom. And then the like uh, 
um, you know, life lesson tale. Mm. The soundtrack is still really good. The score mm. still really works. It's not as good as the first one, but I found myself enjoying like the parts where you can hear the kids singing, like the choirs. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a good a good score. Uh, I don't know that John Williams did this one. I, obviously, they took some of the stuff from the first one, uh, but I don't know that he scored this one. Tyler, do you have anything you want to? Just the same thing as you guys said. I went. To, I've been to New York once. Um, and it, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think Christmas time in New York would be even better. So I, that's something that's essentially a bucket list item for me too. Be a lot of fun to be there this season. All right, Damien. When you were, uh, I know we had a little bit of, uh, of talk about it throughout the podcast. When you were like ten or twelve, what was your perfect day? Like this is this is Kevin's like idea of a perfect day, right? He gets his own vacation got a pocket full of money and kind of do what he want he gets goes sightseeing obviously it's not all one day the sightseeing is before he gets into the hotel and the next day he goes to the uh duncan's toy chest but is this like the perfect day for any 12 year old is this like what you model your day after like what you wish it could be yeah that's a great question um i mean i feel like yeah i feel like kevin's model for the perfect 10 or 12 year old's day is is probably better than anything I, that I could have come up with at the time. Right. So, yeah, so I might just go with this one. You're just going to stick with that. All right. Yeah. Tyler? Are you, so are you, like, asking me to, like, fantasize or, like, what my actual lived best day was as a kid? Not your lived best day, okay. but would this be, like, kind of the the archetype of what your best day would be as a 12 year old is this what you think like the stereotypical 12 year old's best day would be basically yeah throw in a water park and then add this all that kevin did (laughs) it's like the best day you can get yeah i mean he's pretty culture though he's going to like the empire state building like he's seeing sites yeah i'm not interested in any of that at 10 or 12 not at all like let me get to the toy store and buy like all the toys (laughs) all right he's a little more refined than i would have been at like 10 or 12 true not saying much. Like, I'm not having a conversation with a pigeon lady. <laughs> like, what? at all. At all, at all. All right. Um, would this be? Would this movie be better if Gary Oldman was in it? And if so, who would he play? I'm going to say no. It would not be better. But I would have been interested in seeing him as Mr. Duncan, mm. as just randomly the toy chess guy, or the concierge. I love Tim Curry in it. Yeah. I don't think it would be better with him but I'd be interested to see him in that role. Tyler? Yeah, Gary Oldman scares the shit out of me in a lot of ways, kind of the way Tim Curry has in my lifetime. So I, that's the role I would see him in. Or, yeah, I think that's it. That's it. I think we discussed this. I don't remember if this category was live when we did the the Home Alone, the original one, Damien. But seeing him as Harry or Marv would be interested as well. Interesting. Yeah, I think we talked about that in the first one, and it's just, it could it could be possible, but it would right. be a very different movie, uh, whereas yeah. you're legitimately worried he's going to murder you. <laughs> right. Which, it's so, it, again, it's so funny to me that Joe Pesci does it. He has a bit of menacing in him in the first one, but it's never like he's actually going to go on like a, a, a killing spree. He's not going to shoot like a 15-year-old waiter that, you know, that, I don't know, however he shoots Spider and Goodfellas. He's not going to do that in, in Home Alone. Maybe. Yeah. He's got a little bit of that feeling, but not like fully psychopath. Where <laughs> Gary Oldman might. Yeah. All right. 
most memorable line. You know, I already did the housekeeping one. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you know how the TV works? I'm 10 years old. TV's my life. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. That's true to this day. Right. Uh, <laughs> two, make it two, question mark. Make it three. I'm not driving. <laughs> like when he's doing the fucking ice cream and the guy's like, you want two scoops? Perfect. Yeah. Merry he's Christmas, great. you filthy animal. Happy New Year. Perfect. But again, that's kind of a, obviously that's from the first movie as well. What kind of idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. <laughs> also amazing. But my favorite is Sonny. <laughs> Nothing would thrill me more greatly than to shoot you. <laughs> Knocking off a youngster ain't going to mean much to me. <laughs> it's the best line maybe Joe Pesci has ever delivered in his whole life. It, I had to rewind it like twice last night to listen to it. <laughs> Because it made me laugh out loud. Nicolette looked at me like, you've watched this movie a million times. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Tyler, you got anyone to add? That one's great. I also loved, uh, I hope your parents get you a tombstone for Christmas. <laughs> and um, what was it? I got to find it. Oh. Johnny, you're the only duck in my pond. <laughs> <laughs> From angel, angels with a filthier souls? Filthier souls, souls yeah. I mean, you could put the whole you could put the whole little mo yeah. with the gimpy leg. You could put that whole thing in there That's too. True. Damien. Yeah, I definitely put that one in in my list. Uh, the gimpy leg, a uh, little bit. Um, the other ones I wrote down were, uh, I think this is when they're in the McAllister house getting ready and packing, and I can't remember who says it. I'm guessing Buzz. Um, the quote was, now you can be a skag with a slightly darker shade of skin. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Kevin saying, Uncle Frank is taking a shower. He says, if I walked in there and saw him naked, I'd grow up feeling, never feeling like a real man, whatever that means. The reaction that his dad gives him is also amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, like, as a 10-year-old kid, 12-year-old kid, I didn't know what he meant. I know what he means now. Yep. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not very appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And the okay. last one was uh, classic Home Alone 2 line, suck break, kid. Kerosene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why would you Why would you soak a, a rope in kerosene? <laughs> it's also one of my favorites. It's got, for me, it's got to be sunny. The, the sunny. That's great. <laughs> the sunny line. Knocking off a youngster ain't going to mean much to me. <laughs> He's such a terrible human being. Uh, so what's yeah, your favorite pick. though, Damien? It's got to be Little Mo, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's just that line, like the whole line. You've been smooching with everybody. Uh, Tyler, uh, I'm gonna go with Johnny. You're the only duck. That that whole bit, yeah, that's so great. It's amazing. Yeah. That that is some of the best, like, movie within a movie mm-hmm. scenes ever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. The fact that they came up with this great idea to throw it in there, obviously it pushes the movie along, but it's just great writing by John Hughes. Like, just great writing. All right, so before we get into the do you have an answer category, I will. I have a question specifically for this movie. So Damien and Tyler both paid, just, just go with me for a yeah. second, okay? What is the most painful injury sustained in Home Alone 2? So follow me here. Being dropped on a car from about 10 feet above. (laughs) Okay. Hit in the head with a brick from 30 feet. Multiple Multiple. bricks, but let's just say one from 30 feet above. Square in the dome. (laughs) Stapled to the dick. 
Okay, he catches the staple from the staple gun right In retrospect, not the worst, right? I would take that over any of these, but nonetheless, falling 10 feet from a ladder onto your back, like square onto your back from 10 feet above. Getting hit in the head with a bag of large tools. I don't know how else to quantify that besides he had like the largest like Bugs Bunny wrenches and screwdrivers that just full shit whip him from like <laughs> three feet above his head. Uh, straight up electrocuted. I don't know how to quantify that either. I just wrote straight up electrocuted. 10 seconds, 20 seconds. I don't know how long it is. I don't know how many volts. I don't know how many watts. It's it, What is it? The, the, the watts that kill you in electricity, not the volts? Amps. It's the amps. Thank you. So I don't know how many amps it is. Why do you know that? Uh, <laughs> From the waterboarder. Anyway. Getting the top of your head lit on fire and then putting your head into a toilet. And I don't know what's in the toilet. Is it kerosene yeah, again? It's, uh, yeah. It creates like an explosion. Yeah. Okay. Two more. <laughs> Having a hundred pound bag. It looks like maybe it's like concrete mix. I don't know what it is, but it's a hundred pounds. It says on the bag, it's a hundred pounds. Dropped on your head from about 20 feet. Or hit square in the face with a piece of metal, causing you to fall 20 feet while landing on your back, then having the metal hit you again. <laughs> so I don't want to read through those all again. Damien, what's the worst? You're dead from like 90% of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're dead in almost all scenarios, minus the stable to the dick. Staples which you the might dick, wish you were okay. dead. Falling from 10 feet, you're probably okay. I yeah. mean, you're not dead. You're right, definitely right. not okay. The um, wind is knocked out of you. The the bag of tools hitting you, you're probably going to live from that too. All the rest, you're probably going to die. Yeah. But so, to say you're not going to die, what's the worst? Okay, so the question is, wh- which is the worst one? The question is, what's the pa- most painful? Oh, most painful, most painful. Uh, I'm going to say getting electrocuted. He's got like the shakes after too, <laughs> like he's trying to cr- crawl away and he's just all yeah. fucking shaky. Okay. And it's full of like cartoon yeah. style with the big hair and you can like, you, you know, you get the flash of like, you can see his skeletal structure. Yeah. Tyler. That's probably the right answer, but I've never been electrocuted like that. So I can't imagine it well enough. I think the most painful, like the hundred pounds of the cement mix on your head probably kills you. So you Insta don't death. feel it. I think right. the most painful is the brick to the face because we've all... I couldn't agree with you yeah, more. It's, we've, we've all, even just our foot, we've kicked a, a brick like from yeah. two inches and it's like you're barely swinging your foot and it hurts and you want to chop your foot off. Imagine a brick to the face from like the fourth story of a building. So the sheer amount... Like, it's going to kill you, but it's not going to kill you instantly. Yeah, yeah. It'll probably knock you out, mm-hmm. but it might not. But it's going to like, is concave the, the correct word? <laughs> it's going to fucking, yeah. it's going to put the largest dent in your dome you've ever had in your life. Yeah. And God forbid you catch that thing at an angle mm-hmm. and not flush. Right. It's a wrap. Right. It's going to puncture your brain. Yeah. Damien. I thought for sure you were going to bring up bars, brick, <laughs> the fucking, the, the, uh, the Carl, the Carl Grimes song, dude. Oh man. I totally <laughs> forgot about that until you said it. I was like, wait, what is he talking about? Dude. That's so good. I might have to go back and listen to that. 
We're going to have to listen to it after this. I'll send yeah. it out. Nobody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> it's an amazing video on YouTube. Uh, I'm I'm with Tyler, though. I got to say the brick is the most painful yeah. because all the other ones are gonna might cause death instantly. Yeah. For sure, the 100-pound bag is going to kill you. It's going to probably rip your head off. <laughs> I have been electrocuted, like, little bit, and it's not fun. It hurts. It's more of like a... This sounds ridiculous. It's more of like a shocking, like it surprises yeah. you. But it bites, man. It hurts. Did you guys ever used to lick the top of 9-volt batteries as kids? No, man. No. <laughs> yeah, I for sure did that. Why did we do that? Why did we do that? I don't know. We're stupid. <laughs> this is what I was saying earlier. Like, at 12 years old, I was fucking probably licking 9-volt <laughs> batteries. Meanwhile, Macaulay Culkin is creating masterpieces that will live on, you know, in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Turning down work because there's not enough character development in the in the in the third movie, and you're licking a yeah. battery at twelve, and I'm like, "Hey guys, lick the battery. <laughs> Smell this." I mean, I did get shocked because, like an idiot, I was fucking stapling um, Christmas lights mm-hmm. with them on <laughs> as like an adult, like ten years ago. Who does that, by the way? Uh... So I guess that's just as bad as licking a battery. Like you have enough fucking sense to turn the fucking thing off, right? <laughs> does it hurt when you lick a battery? Does it actually hurt? It's like a like a little zap, from what yeah. I mean. It's just a little zap. The nine volt, anyway. It's yeah. That reminds me of the people who were like, "Oh, I'm gonna like." We all had those friends too that were like, "I'm gonna." Didn't you have those friends who were like, "I'm gonna choke you until yeah. you get to the point where you're gonna pass out yep. and you're gonna feel that sensation." I'm like, "No, I don't." You're not supposed to pass out <laughs> as a human being. So like, there's probably things that are gonna be like lasting from that. It was a really I don't know great sensation Kids though. Dumb. If I'm honest. The passing out or the fucking getting shot? No, like the passing out. Like I never, <laughs> this fucking I never guy. actually passed out, but it's just like you feel so tingly and free. I might go do it right after this podcast. Is that before okay. or after doing the whippets? One hundred percent. Tyler is into autoerotic fixation. <laughs> Absolutely, he's probably got a chubby right now talking about. Yeah, it. I know. I can see it on his face. He's like, oh, yeah. he's like, guys, guys. Guys, you haven't lived. I'll talk to you. you I'll talk to you after the pod. Almost getting passed out, dude. Terrible, dude. I gotta, I gotta message your wife. <laughs> She's probably. I, gotta I don't sure know. She might be okay in on it. House. Which for sure she is. <laughs> Shout out to Ashley. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> twenty twenty, man. Do we gotta survive somehow. What? Twenty twenty. We gotta survive somehow, man. Yeah. No, I get you, man. I get you. It can't all be gloom and doom every day. No. Sometimes you gotta pass out. <laughs> Do you have an answer? Either one of you gentlemen. I'm gonna I'm gonna read off. I have four things, and I I've never gotten answers in this movie about these questions. I hope I hope one of you can help me. I've mentioned it multiple times in the in the in the pod. Why does uh why do none of the adults help Kevin? There's no answer, right? No. Nope. Just it just is a motive. It just pushes the movie along. Obviously, that's the answer. Why they don't. Yeah. But like real life, someone's got to help him. In the first movie, Kate. Kevin's mom does everything she can to get from Paris back home. Everything. I mean, she even makes a deal with the devil himself, you know, (laughs) the Polka King. In this movie, she does nothing (laughs) to get to New York. Nothing. Like, at all. She's like, we're just going to wait till the cops call. Like, nothing. Now, granted, she doesn't know he's in New York. Right, they don't think he got on a plane. They think he's stuck in Chicago. But she doesn't make an effort to leave anywhere. Right, she doesn't go anywhere. She's like, we're just going to sit here and wait. Uh, why doesn't Kevin ever go to the police? 
Like, why is he so afraid of the... This isn't 2020, and he's white. Why is he afraid of the police? <laughs> no idea. At the end of the movie is the pigeon lady celebrating Christmas Day in the McAllister suite in the Plaza Hotel when the movie ends. Does that happen? Like, does Kevin bring her back so after giving the turtle dough? Yeah, exactly. I mean, she saved his life. Damien, do you have any answers to this? That's a great question. I'm going to say yes, because because Kevin is a good human being and he would want to help her. Is he? Uh, yeah, I mean, he has he has empathy and he cares about other other humans. That's true. Yeah, he writes that little okay. note to Mr. Duncan. And I think doesn't he give him money to like repair the window, perhaps? He says if he doesn't have insurance, oh. um, essentially like to hit him up. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good. He also does the initial donation, which gives him gets him the turtle doves. Turtle doves, man. Yeah, good dude. Yeah, he he has he has good intentions. He has zero empathy for fucking causing bodily harm, though. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they're trying to do him harm, so he's that's true protecting himself. Son of a. Do you have any answers to any of these other questions, Damien? Why doesn't Kevin go to the police? Why doesn't Kate make an effort to get back to Chicago? Anything? I need answers. Um, like Kate, if you give me a couple of minutes, I could whip up some like because she's a mob boss or a mob <laughs> wife answer. Yeah. Okay. Um, Kevin not going to the police is I think just because he he doesn't actually want to get like rescued or found or whatever it is. Like he's having a good time. He is totally self sufficient at ten or twelve years old. If you had a fucking envelope with like even if it was like four hundred bucks, that would be money for eternity yeah. at ten years old. So he's totally fine. Yeah. 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 I'm always shocked with the amount of shit he buys at Duncan's toy chest. And it's like $23. <laughs> like, you know, goddamn well, you buy all that shit. Ain't no $23. You guys. That's like a 50 spot. You guys said the same thing in the first podcast about how he buys a whole grocery cart full of food. And it's $19 and 23 cents or something. Yeah, <laughs> dude, a whole grocery cart and, and the fucking bag of toys, yeah. the bag of like um, army men. Yeah. Dude, I go buy detergent at Costco right now. It costs me $20. <laughs> and this dude got the detergent. He got the milk. I got the eggs. Like, whatever else he says. Fabric yep. softener. That's what he says. I got the fabric softener. <laughs> All right. So, no answers. Neither of you guys got any answers for me. None. Yeah, I mean, other than the one I already gave you. Very disappointing. Okay. The Samwise Gamgee Award for Biggest Wet Blanket. It's got to be the concierge. He has no other motivation but to ruin this kid's time. There's no other motivation. No reason. I got to fuck with this kid. Damien? Yeah, this one is hard because I love Tim Curry so much. is is clear at this point. Yep. But, yeah, he, the only reason any of that stuff happens is because he's a wet blanket and, like, for whatever reason, zeroed in on Kevin. All right. Tyler? I think I enjoy the concierge too much to say – to think of him in a, in a negative light. I'm going to just go with Harry and Marv um, who were trying to, at the end, kill the child. So I think that's that's a wet blanket kind of move. I mean, they're trying to kill the, the, the child to stay out of prison. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> they've got my vote. All right. Okay, fair enough. All right, movie real estate, best place to live. So we got... The McAllister's house in Chicago, only in the movie for a second, but we all know it from the first movie. We got the Plaza Hotel, so you can pick a room. You can you can pick the the Herbert Hoover 
the vacuum guy's uh, uh, suite. You can pick the suite that they're in in the, the end of the movie, which is fucking two stories. Mm-hmm. Like, who has a two-story suite? You can fit, pick uh, Villa de Dolphin <laughs> in Florida, <laughs> which is the name of the hotel they're at, um, or Uncle Rob's High Rise, which is under construction, but it's probably going to be bomb after. Yeah. Damien loves those brownstones. Oh, yeah. What do you got, Damien? Uh, I think for me it's going to have to be the McAllister's house. Um, because it's not in New York, um, and I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like nostalgia from the first one, but I, th- I feel like it's the nicest place. Fair enough, Tyler. Yeah, that that's the right answer. It's even though it's in it for just a smidgen, it's such a great house and one of the best movie houses ever. Yeah, I gotta go with that too. It's just the iconic, like looks great in the winter, looks great with Christmas lights on it. A little bit. It's too big for me. Like I don't need all that space, mm. and it's pretty gaudy inside. But I'm in. I'm in. All right. What do you wish there was more of in this movie, Damien? I don't actually wish there was more of anything. I wish there was less. The movie was two hours long, and I sure. think the first one is only an hour and forty or like an hour and forty-five, something like that. And it, the extra fifteen minutes, I like. I could feel it. Um, and it, it feels largely around the pigeon lady story and I get why they have to like build that up because it, you know, because of what happens towards the end of the movie, but it felt like largely, it didn't, it didn't feel unnecessary, but it didn't feel as impactful. I think for some of the reasons that Tyler mentioned earlier, um, compared to, you know, the first mm-hmm. one. Okay. Tyler. I can't think of anything at all. Um, it's like, <laughs> it's almost it's not a shot for shot remake of the first one, um, but it's so much yeah. like the first one, just in a different spot. And so uh, I feel like I've, at the end of this movie, I've had enough of everything um, in the HAU. So I wish that there was a little more buzz because mm-hmm. buzz isn't in the first one a ton, but the scenes he's in are just like some of the best scenes in the whole movie. Good point. So I wish there was a little bit more buzz. I will echo your thoughts, Damien, that they could have cut off like, 10 minutes of the final Kevin versus the wet bandits. It is long. It feels super, super long. So we could have done a little bit, you know, we could have taken a little bit of that out. You could take the whole pigeon lady story out, but then you have to replace her as the catalyst of how he gets saved at the end. So I don't know what you do at that point. Maybe one of the hookers, (laughs) maybe Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah. Shoehorn somebody in there. Maybe the concierge could have had some redemption. Maybe. But why is the concierge just hanging out in the fucking park at the middle of the night? That's the thing. Why, right? why do we so. need this kid who is so self-sufficient, like Damien said, who's defeating these guys? Why, why do we need this pigeon lady or even this South Bend shovel slayer to save him in the end? It may, would it be more satisfying if he's the one who, who you know? Well, somehow he waits to call the cops till after he's done all this shit, opposed to calling the cops before it all <laughs> starts and then fucking with them. And again, it's because he likes to torture people <laughs> that's why he becomes jigsaw as an adult we've had this this is established yep. damien this we put this we put this debate to rest in the first one that's true yeah i mean i tyler you just listened to the first episode so i don't know why you're I'm still I, it's still not Gus, sufficient Gus polinsky is a crossroads demon that theory is done <laughs> we, we 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 flushed that completely out he turned into jigsaw peter's a mob boss done I don't subscribe to some of those theories, though, so that's why I still question well, it. 
I don't know what to I tell you. I think Peter's man. just like in finance. I thought we, we had ironclad reasoning, but it's fine. I'm I'm so sad though that John John Candy was not in this movie in some regard, right? Yeah, it feels like it would have been would have been forced. I can't think of a place that you'd be able to just like slot him in. Maybe he's touring. Mm. Maybe he's staying at the at the uh, at the plaza. Mm. Maybe he's With staying the... at the 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 dolphin place, the Florida dolphin place. Right, right. <laughs> While he's on tour with the uh, yeah, what is it, the Kenosha, Kenosha kickers? kickers? Yeah, man. <laughs> I, apparently, John Candy got paid less than the dude delivering pizza in the first one because he was only in it as a as a as a uh, favor to John Hughes and took the minimum. But because they made him work so many hours, he fit, he like made less on an hourly basis than the kid delivering pizza <laughs> in the movie. So amazing! All right, the best simple question. I'm gonna name off these people. Is this the best movie they were in? Is this like the peak of their power. Macaulay Culkin. Damien? No. Tyler? No. Joe Pesci? No. No. Nope. Daniel Stern? No. Nope. Is this Daniel Stern's best sequel, Damien? His best sequel? Uh, do you have a quick list of any other sequels he was in? City Slickers 2. Ooh. Ooh. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he was also okay. a rookie of the year not a sequel but also a great okay. movie yeah then no no um, City Slickers 2 takes it for sequels okay Catherine O'Hara Tyler hell no Damien no Tim Curry no Chris Columbus Tyler who we didn't mention is the director I didn't even mention that at the beginning of the pod which we always talk yeah. about but, you know, went on to direct a, a couple of movies called Harry Potter. <laughs> no, not quite his best movie. Damien? Yeah, I'd agree. It's difficult because all these people are in the first one with the exception of Tim Curry, and the first one is better than the second yeah, one. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I would say Macaulay Culkin, though, just because, I mean, he's just as good in this one as the second one, or as the first one, but he's getting paid yeah. <laughs> a 1,000%, what, 4,000% more? <laughs> so I might say Macaulay Culkin, this is like the peak of his of his fame because the dude cashed almost a $5 million check yep. and he's not significantly worse in this movie. He's doing all the same shit. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Damien, whose movie is this? Like the easiest, easiest question ever. Yeah. It's Kevin. Like there's no discussion about it. Tyler. Yep, Kevin. All right. So before we get into the last question, last category, underrated, overrated, properly rated, we talked about it before we got on the pod home alone one versus home alone two. Damien, again, we said it at the beginning of the pod. You like to say bullshit sequels are better than the originals, but you said flat out first one's better than the second one. So we got your answer. Mm-hmm. Tyler, you haven't you hadn't seen this movie in twenty five years. Now that you had seen it, which one do you prefer better? Number one, very clearly. Um, I think number one on its own, I enjoy without you know watching it by myself. But number two, it really helped to have two young kids like cackling beside me who really enjoy it you know right. that brought up the level and the quality of the movie i feel or at least my enjoyment of it so i recognize that this is a, a fun and good christmas movie but um i wouldn't enjoy it by myself the way i enjoy number one by myself so so we all agree that the first one's a better movie but why so it's it's shot for shot like like you said tyler it's almost the same movie has the same tropes 
you know, you have the same uh, elderly character that's like the 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 hero mm-hmm. to to Kevin. Um, same villains again, almost the same people. I don't know what you would. Tim Curry's character is not necessarily in the first movie, but he kind of that character with the with the person that is working that accuses him of shoplifting. I guess you could say is similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that same exact character. So what makes the first one better than the second one, Damien? Um I feel like I, the first I'm I feel like the first it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the first one is a better Christmas story. Mm-hmm. And sure. and it feels very much like a Christmas movie. Um it is like maybe the quintessential Christmas movie for me, or at least in the top two or three. New York, I feel like, is any time of year movie. It doesn't, for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like as strong of a Christmas story to me. That's fair. Tyler? I think it's two things. I think it's the house, which gives it the Christmas feel that Damien just talked about, and also that it was just the first. You know, it's, yeah. it's, this, we saw the story twice the first time you hear the story. It's better to me, at least. Yeah. Yeah, the house is one of the the set pieces that it makes. I think the whole movie, right? Mm-hmm. The that house, how iconic the house is. Um, I think the wet bandits are mm-hmm. much better in the first one than they are in the second one. They're just a better version of that those those characters. I think that Buzz and Uncle Frank are specifically better in the first one than they are in the second one, even though they have slightly more screen time in the first one. But I just think they're more memorable. Yeah. You have a couple scenes, though, in the first one that don't happen in the second one. Specifically, when he goes to visit Santa, I think is a great yeah. scene in the first yeah. one. He gives him the fucking Tic Tacs. I think that's such a such a fun, fun scene. Yeah. And you have the, like, the whole dynamic with the pizza guy delivering multiple times. Like, I know that that's little, that's a very small part. But again, those are some of the most memorable. When you think about Home Alone 1, you think about, you know, keep the change, you filthy animal. You think about very specific scenes that are in that movie that they don't duplicate in the second one. Yeah. it's a great point. Because I don't think anybody's giving a significantly better performance. They might have more to do, like Buzz and Uncle Frank. But I don't think they're doing better. Mm-hmm. They just have more to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, just talking about it, I feel like the house was its own separate character in the first one absolutely yeah and so and so having that like sensation of like being home for the holidays and it's like gorgeous out and again it feels very much like christmas whereas new york just he's kind of like all over the place moving from from thing to thing and there's no like central place to be at and the hotel doesn't really fill that gap and your like favorite character from the first one damien the the kid the next door neighbor timmy or tommy (laughs) Mitch. The, the guy's like, beat it. Scram, kid. Yeah. Remember he's yeah. going through the luggage? I mean, he doesn't right. he doesn't get any shine in this movie. No, none. So right off the bat, you should be like, no, nah, I'm not into that kid. Yeah. Also, I forgot that It's a Beautiful Life is in both movies. It's a Wonderful Life, yep. Oh, I said It's a Beautiful Life. Yeah, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Once in, what, French <laughs> and once in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I completely forgot. I thought it was, for whatever reason, only <laughs> in the first one. All right, guys. Again, we end every pod long-form movie discussion like this. Damien, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, 33% uh, critics, 61% audience, underrated, overrated, properly rated. I think based on those numbers, I would say it's 
underrated like 30 particularly anything in the 30s is like that's just legitimately a bad movie and this movie yeah. is not a bad movie it's not as good as the first one obviously but um yeah you couldn't i don't it doesn't deserve a score that low tyler you historically thought this was a terrible movie you mocked damien and i for <laughs> lamenting about home alone 2 I don't think I said I hated this movie. I didn't get why you liked it so much. Now I do. My apologies. Um, this isn't Damien. He 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 mocked us for this. I know. I recall it. He's still in. Yeah, go ahead. It's an underrated movie, guys. <laughs> um, I think even the audience score is a bit underrated. I'd in my, with my own stupid scoring system, I'd say a movie that's a seven out of a ten is a good movie, and I'd say this is a good yeah. movie. So sixty percent is not quite there. I think that if you have to look at it in the pantheon of like Christmas movies, mm-hmm. it's probably properly rated, right? We're doing the Christmas movie draft. We still have that going on. This movie does well. Yeah. Like it gets a lot of a lot of shine, but then it also creates the opposite reaction where a lot of people really dislike it. When you look at it against something like Jingle All the Way, which is a fun Christmas movie, but it is not a good right. movie. But it's enjoyable for Christmas, right? It fills that that neat that niche home alone 2 is a, is a good movie yeah. it's not a it's not a great movie like it's home alone 2 like we all understand what it is but it's still a good movie yeah. it's not jingle all the way it's not like fred claus it's not one of these throwaway christmas movies it's enjoyable mm-hmm. so i think that 33 percent is ridiculous like that's not even but 66 percent also feels low yeah. this should i think this should be in the 70 75 percent you know c c plus i i i get yeah. that for me, it's enjoyable, but I don't think it's great, but it's fun. Sure. Super fun movie. I'm so excited, Tyler, that you've like you come around on Thanks it. to you guys. I'm, I'm a little disappointed that you voted for it over uh, – you and Ashley both voted for it over Nightmare Before Christmas. Ashley does not like A Nightmare Before Christmas at all. That's fine. Um, so that doesn't surprise me. But I think it's – for me, a lot – Christmas movies need to f- make me feel like Christmas and – I don't know, something about, uh, well, this movie just does more than the other. Does Ashley not like it like Nightmare Before Christmas, like irrationally, like you didn't like Home Alone? Or is she not, has she seen it recently? Or like when she was growing up, she didn't like it? Yeah, the kids watched it recently. Um, We've seen it several times over the years. Just doesn't do it for her. Man. All right. Damien, that's just wrong, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to comment on that. <laughs> Damien, you want you have anything else you want to talk about before we sign off, man? I know you always got little little nuggets, little little thoughts. Any more about I, the crime boss? No, I got. I feel like we went pretty deep into the crime boss thing, and yeah. and we did in the first uh, podcast as well for the, the first movie. The only thing that I remembered at the very end is I was just sort of sitting here thinking about how much I enjoy Buzz, and as much as he's a bad person, Uncle Frank. Their like little bits of time on screen are so impactful. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there is the scene at the very end when Buzz, is, they're in the hotel room and Buzz is like stopping everybody from opening presents that Duncan uh, <laughs> dropped off for them. Right. And he, he tries to get everybody's attention as they're sitting in the living room <laughs> and he tries to whistle. And when he goes to whistle, he just goes. <laughs> <laughs> he just spits yeah. all over his fingers. Yeah. It doesn't he say something about like all this mushy shh mm-hmm. like that show of emotion. <laughs> it's so Damn. funny because he has these moments that they try to redeem him, right? But then he fucking 
is like so pumped to get the uh, room service bill yeah from from Rob Schneider to just shit on his brother yep. like what do you think this kid's going to eat he's been in New York for like 3 days $900 uh, room service doesn't appear to be that bad you guys fucking <laughs> left him at a hotel you terrible human beings terrible yeah. terrible all right Tyler, you got anything else? Yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Great Line Damien had in the first pod, where they're uh, talking about his favorite scene, where he said, "They're eating pizza and drinking milk. What kind of fucking monsters eat pizza and drink milk?" <laughs> I mean, I stand that, by that's that. another. We've never gotten an answer to True. that. Made me laugh. Who does that? I mean, again, they're terrible people. You know who eats it? Crime bosses, <laughs> mafia family. Yeah. This, for sure, I mean, Uncle Frank hired the Wet Bandits, right? Yeah, we're 100%. still riding for that too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a leading theory. The sir- like he wanted to kill a, a fucking ten-year-old dude. That was the original. That was going to be the original script. Is he knew that they were going to be home? He was going to be home by himself, and he was going to send in Harry and Marv to rob the house, knowing his ten-year-old nephew was there. Well, who does that? You guys are talking about this conspiracy theory with so much certainty. I feel like I'm listening to QAnon people talk about certainty. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. You're so convinced. Are the QAnon people deep in Home Alone? I don't know. Maybe. Look, I mean, but we've this, we have, these aren't theories, man. We have evidence to back <laughs> this up. Tyler, look, we're going to sign off, but why does Gus Polinski, why does he show up when she says, I will sell my soul to the devil himself? Boom. He's there. It's a good question. And I've, I've, Glad to hear the theories. That one, I'm. That one makes a lot of sense to me. From a storytelling, the jigsaw one is a little more. You know, there's a lot of holes in that yeah. one. <laughs> but the the Uncle Frank one hiring the wet bandits. That's not a theory. That was in the original script. Yeah, and they took it out. Yeah, okay, that's so that's not a theory. That's that's ironclad. <laughs> I said we're in QAnon, Damien. I gotta go, man. I'm probably on like a watch list now and shit. <laughs> Probably looking through the webcam. Probably, gentlemen. Thank you for being on, Tyler. As always, I'm super happy that we we changed your mind. I live my life wanting to sway your opinion, <laughs> um, so I'm super happy about that. Damien, you know how I feel about you, buddy. All right, we'll uh, wait. Do I'm sorry. Do we have to address the love affair that your your wife talked about, t- Tyler? Or we're good. I think what you just Damien show enough love to both of the us. The way you just said, Damien, you know how I feel about you. That does it right there. So you, <laughs> that's it. Check the box. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. All right. Thanks for being on. We'll do it again, yep. all right? All right, everyone. That is the Home Alone 2 Lost in New York pod. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Thanks to Damien and Tyler for being on. I think you can tell how much we enjoy this movie. It's just a, just a holiday classic. Give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe on any of the platforms you're listening to us on. You can always shoot us an email, themorninggeekdom at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Instagram, themorninggeekdom. Facebook and Twitter at Morning Geekdom, and we'll do it again next week. Shout out to Gary Oldman.